0: And uh, he wants to speak into you uh, here this morning. And so, to bring today's message, we are excited to have John Brown with us. So, will you give a huge Crossroads Church welcome to John as he comes to minister to us right
1: now? Appreciate it. It's so good to be here with you. And uh, Crossroads is family to us for a lot of different reasons, and so just excited to be with you. I feel like I already know so many of you, Pastor Kyle and Cassie, brag about Crossroads Church all the time to us and speak very fondly. I've heard about the student section in the front. I love it. You guys are legendary. You're, you're part of what I was looking forward to. I heard you guys like to shout it down. I heard that this crowd is loud and rowdy. Is that the truth? Okay, okay. I heard Pastor Craig gets a little bit excitable sometimes. I heard he's quite the preacher. In fact, I've gotten to listen to some of his messages online. I've listened to uh, Becky Held's message. I listened to Pastor Davies' message. Uh, I think they just brought me in, kind of like as like the the follow-up to the amazing speakers. So I'm thankful for that, that I could be a part of that legendary lineup. But um, I've just heard so many great things about Crossroads Church. Obviously, Pastor Matt and Aubrey. Um, know them, that they're all, that I feel like this is like our church, my wife Janet is here with me as well, we already feel a part of this family, so thank you for welcoming us in this family, thanks for allowing us to be here with you and and uh, thanks for just having open hearts to what God wants to speak to you today and uh, um, I want to just say as as part of this, I'm, I'm one of those preachers that I also, like Pastor Craig, get excitable um, when when people I'm, I'm what you call a hollerback preacher, okay? So like if you, if you just give an amen, if there's a point that you want to own, you're like amen, or if you want to be like preach preacher, or if you know me, one of my things is come on somebody, if you want to just throw out one of those. Pastor uh, Cassie shared a couple of weeks ago in one of her messages about she'd heard a story of a pastor that was preaching and they started throwing shoes at him. That actually was me. I was at a retreat. It was a summer camp, and uh, nobody told me this in advance, that people do this? This was like their tradition. And so when the preacher got going and they, they were really like feeling the message um, and they were getting excited about the points, they would take their shoes off and they would throw them at the pastor. The problem was is, number one, I didn't know that it was coming, so I think that was part of the fun of it. But number two, this was a camp, a summer camp with middle schoolers who took their shoes off that they'd been wearing all week. <laughs> and they were laying around the altars. We had to cast some demons out and stuff. There was some of the, some of the shoes went, hit the keyboard and the guitars, and I was like, I'm going to get in trouble with with the musicians here. Uh, But I mean, whether it's throwing shoes or throwing some amens, or if you just want to say, preach it, white boy, whatever you want to do, I'm good with it. Uh, But what I, more than all of that, what I would say is that you would take notes and that you would engage in the message. We don't grow spiritually by being dead and passive. The Bible says, God's word says, that his word is living and active. So when we, when we get the opportunity to come on a Sunday, how dare we be dead and passive? I can't go to the weight room and get guns like Pastor Craig. I, I wanna be like Pastor Craig when I grow up, that's all I'm saying. But I can't go to the weight room and have guns like that by just staring at the weights. I will I'll never grow. In order to grow physically, I have to engage the weights. I have to engage with the equipment. In order to grow spiritually, we need to engage with God's Word. We need to be living and active. God's Word is powerful, and we're going to preach from His Word today, but I want to encourage you to receive these words, to own these words, to take these notes. Take a page of notes from these students right here who are down in the front taking notes. What if the whole church did that? Man, I'm telling you what, God's Word doesn't want to just speak to you today, but how about five years from now when you pull those notes out of your Bible and you're like, you remember when God spoke that message? I needed that again. Not just then, but I need it again today. Come on, somebody. I'll just come on somebody myself if nobody else will. (laughs) So let's have some fun today. Um, Let's receive God's Word, and you're blessed with a great church. Sometimes we don't realize that when we, uh, sometimes they say that the quote, familiarity breeds contempt, and I don't think your contempt that you have contempt for your church, or your pastors, but sometimes when, when, uh, when we have it right in front of us, we don't realize how good we have it. You are blessed with an incredible pastor and pastor's wife here, and Pastor Craig and Rochelle. Um, you guys are blessed. Um, Kyle and Cassie brag about me, not only about the church, but about you guys, and speak so highly. And you have a shepherd's shepherd. You have a pastor's pastor you have someone, and, and sometimes we don't realize how good that we have it, but I know you know how good you have it, so Pastor Craig, we honor you, and we honor your family, and Alexis, way, way to just step up and step in today, amazing, and uh, so just want to just say that before we jump into God's word. Let's, uh, let's pray. We're going to start today off with prayer. We're going to end today uh, the, the message off with prayer, um, and I, w- I have a powerful testimony I want to share with you right after I say amen, but God, we invite you here. We invite your presence here. Thank you, God, um, that you you inhabit the praises of your people. We already believe that you are here. We do believe that the enemy wants to do everything to stop what you want to do. But God, your word is more powerful. Your working is more powerful. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father God, that we can call on your name, the name of Jesus, the powerful name of Jesus. And God, whatever it is that we need, whatever it is that we came in with, whatever burden that we're carrying, God, that you know and you already have a plan for us today. You want to speak directly, right into situations. God, I I believe that you want to heal someone who has an issue with their wrist. You showed me someone's wrist that's hurting. God, I believe that you have a healing touch for that person. I believe there's some stomach issues, God, that, that some people that are just struggling and they're trying to figure out what it is, maybe they haven't gone to the doctor yet because they don't want to know the news, but God, you know exactly what's going on and you can heal it. God, I pray for marriages that are broken and hurting and struggling, And in the secret, nobody else knows, but you know, God, and you are a healing God. I pray for those that are dealing with mental illness, God, one of those things that maybe we don't always talk about in church, but God, you heal every illness, every sickness, everything that is is not right. God, you are in the restoration business. You specialize in making things right. So God, we pray that you do that today in your mighty and awesome name. And We pray, Father God, that the Colts would go to the Super Bowl. And God, they would face up against the Vikings and that my Vikings would be victorious in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. I'm from Minnesota originally, a Vikings fan. I'm sorry, I just had to throw that in there. Um, But I want to share with you a video testimony uh, of a family that had an amazing miracle happen in their life. And I'm sharing this with you solely as a family that I know from Minnesota. Um, I'm sharing this with you because I want to build faith in this room. My prayer is, and I have a a team of prayer warriors, family, and friends from our church of about 20 or so that are praying for this service and for these moments, and our prayer is that faith would rise in this place. The Bible says it only takes faith of a mustard seed to move mountains. So I'm just saying, God, bring faith up in our hearts today for the miracles that you want to do, for the healing that you want to bring us to. So I want you to check this out.
0: Yes, the morning, that morning, uh, sunshine and bright. September morning, the Monday after Labor Day. And my wife was going to take my two daughters to uh, go and look at a puppy. I think they were dressed alike that morning. And I remember giving them hugs, and they got in the car and left at 7 a.m. I got a call from my father-in-law, and this is maybe close to 8.30. He's calling me saying that Shannon wasn't there. I thought, well, she's okay, you know, no reason to worry. And then he called me again within 10 minutes, like, no, I think something's not right. You know, She should be there by now, nobody's heard from her. Then my mother-in-law called, so I'm on my cell phone with my father-in-law. My mother-in-law calls the home phone. So I've got them both on speaker, like, okay, I haven't heard from her. My mother-in-law's wanting me to start backtracking the way that Shannon would've took that morning. You know, you started to think, okay, something's not right. Unknown number comes through, and it was a state trooper, wanting to know if I had daughters that were with my wife.
1: On the morning of September 14th,
2: 2015, my pager went off. Motor vehicle accident, semi versus passenger car. Three critically injured. The amount of damage that was actually on that semi was absolutely insane. I would have assumed that whatever they hit killed everyone in that vehicle. I walked around to the side of the car, Kyra was there, and immediately we are just, get some tools, we gotta get her out of here. I remember like it happened five minutes ago, Brian pulling Kyra out of the van, how bloody she was and how he was supporting her on his turnout gear and everything. Get kind of choked up right now talking about it. And then we worked on getting Shannon out of the front seat of the van, and
1: um, I was, at that point, surprised if she was still alive. When we loaded her in the helicopter, I'd have given her zero percent chance.
2: All of us were kind of in agreement that those poor
0: kids were not going to have a mother. So as I get to HCMC downtown, I walk in, and Jada was in kind of a holding area on a bed. You could just see the shock in my in my youngest daughter. And I remember her telling me, Dad, I've got to go. I've got to go because... Um, we're going to see a puppy. Mommy's coming to get me. And I just let her know. I don't think we're going today.
2: We were very concerned that even if Shannon survived the initial injury, that she would end up vegetative. We could save her life but not save her function.
0: One of the physicians let me know, basically she would never be a healthy brain. The best recovery, if she gets there, would be to just be able to sit in a chair and just stare at a wall, oblivious to what's around her. The physicians would come in and actually squeeze her with pliers, her toes or her hands to get any type of reaction, any type of just twitch, and yell her name, and she wouldn't respond at all, motionless.
2: I'd spent a lot of time with Jason and the family at the hospital back and forth. Um, I don't believe Jason had left once and knew that there was a worship night happening. And I remember at the hospital saying, Jason, would you come? We're just going to be worshiping Jesus. And as he walked in, Pastor Ryan started to pray for Shannon and pray for the Kerr family. And so we're going to be the church right now. I just feel led to do it. There's a family, the Kerr family, Jason, Shannon Kerr. Shannon and two of her daughters were in a terrible car accident. Shannon's in a coma. One of the daughters still in intensive care. Why not be the church right now? Let's storm heaven right now. And we're going to pray. So can you lift your hands? And just in your own way, you're going to lift up a prayer for this family. Let's do it. Just fill this room. Come on. Let's be the church. And I remember him just walking over, standing next to me, and I just said, Buddy, we're praying. And I just remember him dropping to his knees, and um, I could just hear him praying um, for the healing of his wife. And Lord, I'm desperate for your power. I need a miracle. While we were worshiping, while we were praying, Um, There was another conversation happening at the hospital about some difficult decisions that may need to be made, possibly pulling Shannon off a life support.
0: As I came back from that worship night, I remember my father-in-law trying to break this news to me, like, this is kind of the end of the road, you know? This is is what they're saying. And I said, no. I said, go home, get some rest. This place is beating you down. We're going to believe. We're going to believe. We're going to proclaim a healing. And as days went by and people would ask, what can they do for me? People just wanted to help. But I didn't need anything as far as food or fresh clothes or anything. Like, just pray. Any effort or energy you have or want to give to the situation, I ask you to pray to Jesus. Even if you don't know Jesus, I ask you to pray to Jesus. Like, He is the only one that will change this scenario for my family.
2: I remember one time in particular, Shannon laying there and we were um, sharing stories of Shannon and I looked over and we had just seen Shannon's arm come out from underneath the blanket and on top of the blanket. Sickness, no that was the first time I saw a positive response.
0: Then things just continued to progress. And at the end of those 14 weeks total, hospitalized, I was able to bring my wife home. My name is Shannon Kerr. I'm uh, married to my smoking hot husband for 19 years. And I'm just so excited to go Lord heal me. Is it okay that I said smoking hot? I'm sorry, Let's just do <laughs> dirty.
2: To see her actually up and walking again was just miraculous.
0: This is my wife, healed miracle woman. Thank you, Jesus.
1: Come on, let's give God praise. So awesome. Miracles are still for today. Healing is still for today. Anyone who will tell you otherwise, I still watch that story. I've seen it probably 20 times, and every single time it brings tears to my eyes, it brings chills to my arms. Uh, You can see it, Pastor Craig, my hair, Like, that is powerful. That is good. And and I believe that through the power... the, The Bible talks about how we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That testimony, I believe, will bring faith up in this room so that we would know that God can... And that he wants to. And that he loves us. He's madly in love with us. And that we can call on him as ki- as his kids and ask him anything. And he cares about us. So he's going to give us good gifts. Amen? Yeah. Amen. I want to read from Matthew chapter 20 today. And uh, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. We're going to read verses 29 through 33. Um, you can read in your paper Bibles, your glowing Bibles, or the big Bible up on the screen. But uh, we're going to follow along together. Verse 29 is, Jesus and the disciples... "'Left the town of Jericho. "'A large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. "'When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, "'they began shouting, "'Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us.' "'When Jesus heard them, he stopped, "'and he called, "'What do you want me to do for you? "'Lord,' they said, "'we want to see.' "'And Jesus felt sorry.' For them. Another translation said he felt compassion for them or he felt deep love for them, empathy for them, and he touched their eyes and instantly. Come on, somebody say instantly. Yes. Come on, say it like you believe it. Instantly. Yes. It says instantly they could see. Man, I wonder if, if we put this, this story to video like we saw in that powerful story from my friends from River Valley Church in Minneapolis. I wonder what it would look like. I wonder if we would have the hair standing on the end of our arms and we would have tears flowing down. This is a powerful miracle, my friends. It says instantly they could see and they followed him. They followed him. There's so many elements of this story that capture my attention. And I want to point them out to you today because I believe they should capture our attention as well. We should pay close attention to them. The first one, I'm going to give you three points. The first one is the pestering persistence of these two blind men. The pestering persistence of the two blind men captures my attention today. There's a lot of things about these blind men that are impressive, right? And I'm sure that they, they, they're not only impressive to us, but they, they kind of capture Jesus' attention as well, like their boldness, right? They're pushing through, they're, they're yelling out, shouting out despite the crowd, their boldness, their courage. Their faith that they believed that God could do this, that Jesus could do this. But I think even more than all of that, what shouted at Jesus louder than the decibel levels of their plea was the decibel levels of their pestering persistence. It's kind of fun to say. Just say it with me. Pestering persistence. I'm giving the front row a shower with my pestering persistence. So say it with me. Pestering persistence. Pestering Jesus loves pestering persistence. You want to know how I know that? Just look at the scripture. He talks about, uh, in, in he actually, Jesus tells several stories about pestering persistence, and I believe it's what captured his heart that day. Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells the story of the persistent widow. It was a parable. It was a story with a point. He told the story in order to bring the word of God alive in a special way. He tells the story of the persistent widow, And the persistent widow needed a ruling from this judge and so the judge didn't rule in her favor and she didn't like what he had to say and she needed him to rule in her, her favor so she just kept pestering him. She just kept showing up at the courtroom day after day after day after day after day. day. And she would show up and he'd say no and she'd say yes. And then she'd show up the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And she just kept showing up. And finally, he's like, fine, lady. Yes. And she's like, thank you. See, pestering persistence is a wonderful thing, right? It's the same thing that gets you to do things for your kids that you said no to, but you just need them to shut up already. Stop asking, are we there yet for the 277th time? We were on our way from Wisconsin to Indiana, and we heard that in creative ways because we told them stop asking that, and then they asked in new ways. It was wonderful. They had pestering persistence. And Jesus tells this story because he wants us to have that kind of persistence when we approach him, when we need a miracle, when we need healing, when we need something from our Father that loves us. Another story he tells uh, of an equally persistent neighbor. He talks about this neighbor that needs something late at night. I don't know why he needed something to eat late at night, but he goes and knocks on the neighbor's door, and the neighbor's like, Come on, man, I'm sleeping. My family's sleeping. He's like, No, I just need something for my kid. And, and he's like, No, go away. I'm sleeping. So he leaves and comes back and he knocks on the door and comes back and knocks on the door and comes. Back. he keeps pestering his neighbor and finally his neighbor's like, I want to get some sleep, fine, I'll get out of bed and I'll get you what you need, just leave me alone. He tells these stories, he tells multiple stories to prove this point that he wants us to have pestering persistence. He goes on to say this right after the story of the persistent neighbor, Luke 11, 9 through 10, he says, and so I tell you, this is the point of the parable. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Come on, somebody. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open to him. Jesus loves it when we keep on seeking. Keep on begging, keep on pleading, keep on asking, don't give up. Some of you are in a moment where you've felt like giving up, like Jesus doesn't hear you, like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling and not reaching heaven, or he doesn't care, or he must not love me, or he must have more important things to do. I'm just here to tell somebody, to encourage somebody, to not give up. Keep on asking. What I love about this story we're going to look just for a moment back to this passage. We're going to actually keep going back to this passage a couple times from these two blind men on the road. It says in verse 29, and as Jesus and the disciples left the town of, what's, what's that town? Jericho. As they left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Remember what Jericho was famous for? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, You don't want me to sing this song. <laughs> Jericho, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. And what? The walls. Come on, all my Sunday school peoples in the house know that song. So, ain't no school like the old school. <laughs> so if you, if you missed out on Sunday school and you missed out on that song, you missed out. But that story is about... God's people, Israel, being delivered from Egypt, and they're, this is after they've wandered through the desert for 40 years, and they're being brought into the promised land. This is now, finally, they're going to receive their promise, the answer to their prayers for all these hundreds of years, and they're finally there, and Joshua's leading them, and they're on the edge of the promise. And their first battle that they go up against is the walled city of Jericho. Fortified walls, I mean, this is like oh man, we have not been fighting. We don't really know what we're doing, but we're going to go fight. We're like, all right, what's the battle plan? Joshua, this is your chance to step up and be the leader. Like, whatever we're going to do, we're going to go blow some junk up. Are we going to blow some junk up, Joshua? Let's go blow some junk up. Let's Like, I see the walls. I mean, like, we probably can't take it if we scale them, but if we could blow them up like they do on the 4th of July, just give, you know, explosive devices to little children and just blow some junk up, let's do it. He's like, nope, I got the plan from God. We're going to we're just going to march around in circles. <laughs> well, okay, so that's great. What else are we going to do? Well, we're just going to be silent. We're just going to, like, march around and stuff. <laughs> all right, sounds like a plan. They do that day one. Day two is like, all right, now we're going to blow some junk up? <laughs> no, we're just going just gonna to just march around one time and just be quiet. Okay, well, I don't know what I'm going to tell my wife when we come home. How'd you do today, honey? What'd you guys do? Just marched around and we're silent. You didn't, you didn't like, take any people down or, or, like, scale the wall? Nope, we just marched around. Day two, day three, day four? Do you think for a moment that these people that were on the edge of their promise, on the edge of God making good on his promise, do you think that they didn't have some doubt? Do you think that they didn't have some moments where they're like, are you sure? (laughs) Like, I trust you as the man of God and the leader, but this feels like a really bad plan. Like, I'm not the military leader right now, but I'm thinking, like, if I'm going to put together a plan, this wouldn't be on the list. Like, it would be way down the list if it, were, if, if it was ever on the list. It would be like the last option on the list. Do you think that they didn't get discouraged? Did you, do you think that they didn't feel like just going back? Do you think there were some moments where I'm sure there was some doubt? There were some moments where I'm sure they felt like giving up. There were some moments maybe on day five or day six where they felt like nothing's changing, nothing's happening, these walls are still there, and we're still looking like fools? Do you think that there wasn't some moments they said, I'm not showing up today because I'm not going to look like an idiot? But they kept showing up, and they didn't stop on day six. And guess what happened on day seven? The walls came tumbling down after they marched around seven times, and on the seventh time they shouted, those walls came down because God promised, because God always makes good on his promises. Amen? And I'm just here to encourage somebody today, don't stop on day five or day six. Don't stop on day six. Don't stop on the, maybe you've been asking and begging and pleading and and going to God for your miracle, and you felt like giving up, and maybe you have given up. I'm here to encourage someone, don't give up on six. Keep on praying. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking, because God loves pestering persistence. Come on, somebody. Verse 31, be quiet, the crowd yelled at them, but they only shouted louder. Louder. When the enemy screams at you to stop praying, that it's not working, to just give up, come on, I want to see a church that says, I'm only going to shout louder. I'm only going to have greater faith. I'm only going to believe that God is good on his promise. He always is. He always has been. And he always will be. Amen? They only shouted louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Another thing that we can learn from these two blind men and from this story is the intentionality of Jesus' question. Number two, the intentionality of Jesus' question. The first thing that the two blind men asked Jesus when they got his attention was, Lord, <clears throat> Son of David, have mercy on us. Now that, you know, that sounds really spiritual and stuff like that. But it's, Jesus is like, that's not, like, that's not good enough. I want, I want to ask you a question. And he asks the same question of us today. What is it that you want me to do for you? Why did Jesus ask this? It doesn't really kind of make sense. Like it almost feels a little bit like insensitive. Like, you know, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that these guys are blind. You know, like you could tell. So Jesus, of all people, who knows all things and, and even knows our needs before we know our needs, like how does he not know what these two guys need? Of course he knows exactly what they need. He knows exactly what you need before you ask it. But he asks it because he wants to get something out of them. He wants them to to learn to ask specifically for what it is that they need. And I want to ask you, if you were given the opportunity today, could you spell out the specific things that you need in your life, the healing that you need in your life? Some of us, we we don't know how to ask because we don't even really know what we need. And so I'm asking us to take a moment and reflect and pause and ask, God, like, is there some things that I need that I haven't been asking for because I haven't had the faith for? Is there some, you know, Pastor John, you mentioned about, you know, my marriage or some of my relationships needing healing. I, I, I think I need that. I think I need some inner healing. I, I have some mental illness things going on and, and I, I have a lot of anxiety. And Pastor John, I, I've never even thought to ask God for healing in that area. What is it, Jesus is asking, that you want me to do for you? I'll never forget, I, I actually went through 23 years of ulcerative colitis. It's a stomach condition um, that most people look at the outside and they think, like, oh, they're good, but I had lost 20, 30 pounds um, in the worst of this, and it wasn't because I wanted to, it was because I was deathly ill. I was in and out of emergency rooms for 23 years, uh, constantly um, in excruciating pain. People asked what it was like. It was like hell on earth inside of my stomach. Um, it was the worst of the worst. I would lose blood constantly, and so I didn't have energy to be a pastor or to do things. It was actually when I was Cassie's youth pastor that it was at one of the worst points, and um, and Kyle's youth pastor. I went through some just horrendous, very dark times, and I had moments where I truly did give up on asking god because i had prayed for so many years and i had there's moments where i was angry at god like i would yell at him and you know what god is big enough to handle that and there's moments that i doubted him even as a pastor in ministry even while i'm telling people don't doubt him i'm doubting him because i'm like i don't get it i don't understand and so i've been there and we had hit one of the all-time low points And um, it was actually on Thanksgiving, which we had spent a lot of times over Christmases and and Valentine's Day and Thanksgiving in the hospital. We have pictures of my kids opening presents on the hospital room floor as I'm getting treatment for the stomach condition. And we'd been through all sorts of experimental drugs. And it was Thanksgiving. It was actually the day after Thanksgiving. I was in terrible, terrible pain. And we called the doctor, and I was I was actually just, I had spiraled downward very quickly, and they said, he, you need to bring him in right away, and so my wife is flying down the freeway at like 90 plus miles an hour to get me to the hospital, and um, we get pulled over on the way there, and he's like, yeah, sure, you have a bad illness. Of, of course you do. That's what everyone says. and We end up getting a police he, he, he had to call the hospital. We get a police escort to the emergency room. We get there and it's like the day after Thanksgiving is. Fi- everybody shows up to the emergency room on the day after Thanksgiving. I'm just saying. And so there's this, this emergency room full of people. I'm like, I'm never going to get in. I am really in pain at this point. And there's the guy next to me that's moaning loudly. Aah! I'm like, I'm never going to get seen if this guy is going to be moaning next to me. So I got to out-moan him, you know? <laughs> uh, <no! laughs> you want to go first, buddy? I'm sorry, you're not going first. I got a stomach condition, right? It's, I'm really not that selfish, but <laughs> I, I'm telling you, we get in, And they're asking all sorts of questions and uh, what's your pain at and all of this kind of stuff. And I had to, I had to learn in those moments, I'll never forget one of the conversations I had with uh, someone that was speaking into our life during this season. They said, you need to learn to tell the doctors exactly what's going on inside of you and exactly what you need because the doctors are experts in medicine, but you're an expert on your own body. So you need to learn to tell them what you need. You can't just make them guess. You can't just think, well, they know better. You need to let them know, and you need to spell it out, and you need to be very clear. i am never forget my sister-in-law going like, no, I'm sorry, doctor. You need to come now. I'm like, I like this. You, you want to come along to all the doctor's visits? Because we get better attention when you're here. And I'm just saying, when it comes to God, he is not afraid of boldness, Encourage and, and faith. We need to learn to just spell it out and be direct and be bold and have that persistence. And he's asking us today, what is it exactly that you need me to do for you? And he's a great physician. He loves being an answer to those things that you need. He loves it. And here's what I want to say to, the, to us today. Most of us don't get what we want because we don't even know what we want. Most of us don't get what we want because we don't even know what we want. The great irony is this, if we can't answer that question, what is it that you want me to do for you, we're just as blind or maybe even more blind than these two blind men. We're just as blind spiritually. So God, would you speak and show us what it is that we need? Sometimes we think we need things and God's like, no, I actually know what you need even more. And he does this one better. Where do you need God to show up supernaturally in your life today? And then my follow-up question is, are you asking him? If you need him to show up, are you asking him? Well, yeah, I mean, sometimes I ask him. No, are you pestering him with persistence and asking him? Mark Batterson says it this way, the greatest tragedy in life is prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. The greatest tragedy in life is prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. So I think it's about time we start asking, right. and begging, and pleading, and knocking, and seeking, and we don't give up. Right. Amen? Yes. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just want to take a pause for a moment and just say Mark Batterson's book, since I shared his quote, it's from this book. It's a, it's a book called The Circle Maker, but there's a, a book called The Circle Maker, and then there's a 40-day jour- or a pr- prayer book prayer journal, one of the two. Um, it's a 40-day journey uh, called the prayer circle. And if you look up that specific devotional, it has 40 days on this subject of prayer and persistence. It has this story of the, 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 these two blind men in that. Um, this quote is in there. And I will just say that journal, I've, I've gone through it about five or six times. Um, I do it every single year at the beginning of the year when we do our fast as a church. I would just say that has built my faith and given me courage to be more uh, driven in my prayers, to ask more faithfully, to be more persistent. And I would just say, if you want to go for extra credit, I want to talk to all the overachievers. And those of you who are like, man, I need a miracle, I would say this would be a book that you should pick up and read and go through with somebody. That's all I'm saying about that. So let me give you just some uh, five prayer pointers real quick. We're going to take a pause from our three points, and I'm just going to give you five prayer pointers real quick when it comes to spelling out your miracle. Know it when Jesus asks that question, what is it that you want me to do for you? Here's some prayer pointers with that specifically. Number one, ask according to God's word and God's will. Whenever you ask, Jesus says this in 1 John 5, 14 through 15, and this is the boldness. Come on, somebody say boldness. This is the boldness that we have in God's presence, that if we ask God anything that agrees with what he wants, that he hears us. If we know that he hears us every time we ask him, we know that we have what we ask from him. We can come to him boldly, and if we will ask according to his word and to his will, he's not a, now I just want to pause for a moment, he's not a slot machine where you're like, I put in two quarters and I get this out. No, it's not like that. But if you will stay close to him, number one, you have the promise that he hears you. Number two, if you're asking according to what he wants, God's word promises us that he loves answering those kind of prayers. He not only hears us, but he loves to answer those prayers. Yes, I know. Not always in our timing. (laughs) 23 years of me pestering him with my persistence. And I am standing here before you today healed as of about five years ago, fully healed, fully recovered. Through the help of the doctors and through the prayer, the pestering, persistent prayer of my wife, who is the real MVP through all of that journey, and through all of the people that surrounded us from our church, I'm here to let you know that I stand here healed. I believe in healing because God has healed me. (laughs) Amen. Prayer pointer number two, dream big and think impossible. Dream big and think impossible. So often we think, well, you know, that's too big, or even sometimes we think that's too little. But I want to say, I want to share Ephesians 3.20 with us today. God is able to do, what what are those words up there? I just, those next two words, far more. God is able to do far more than we could ever ask for or imagine. He does everything by his power that is working in us. He is able to do far more than we could ever ask or hope for or even begin to imagine. He can do far more. So whatever you think is a big prayer or an impossible prayer, God's like, ha! Watch this. Yeah. I can do far more. And whatever you think or even could imagine me doing, I can do far more than that as well. So dream big and think impossible. Prayer pointer number three. Write it down and be specific. The author and pastor of one of the largest churches in Seoul, Korea, wrote, God does not answer vague prayers. I kind of was shocked by that statement. I was like, well, he answers all prayers. But this guy, Pastor Cho, is famous, his church is famous for their prayer. They have the most people in their church, I believe, because of the prayers that they have for lost souls. They are a praying church. And he says, God does not answer vague prayers. And I was immediately, after I was like, well, is that even true? I was then immediately convicted. How vague my prayers are sometimes Some of them so vague That there was no way of knowing Whether God had even answered them You know what I'm talking about And I think that's the reason why we do it sometimes Because we're like we want to give God an out God doesn't need an out Because he he's able to do far more than you could ask Or hope for or even begin to imagine So write it down and be specific Can I just share two really quick stories about this So I'm reading through this prayer journal For the first time Mark Batterson's book, and I was convicted by this, and I was convicted by that statement. And so I, that day in staff prayer, I, we, were write, I, we were praying for different things, and I'm like, I'm going to write my prayers down. I'm going to be specific. I'm just going to go for it. So I wrote down the prayer of, um, God, I would really like, I'm sitting here thinking through our vision of our church, and I'm like, I don't want to just pray selfish prayers. I had a lot of those as well. Um, but one of them was for our church, we were going to launch a dream center, a, a a way not just to go out and do serve days but a center where people could come for food and shelter and we could meet practical needs of people in some impoverished areas uh, people that were less fortunate so we had been praying and believing for a dream center i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna write it down i'm gonna be specific god i pray that you would bless us with a building a dream center building for free just like someone who would donate a building i'm like i'm thinking this is pretty bold and big right like Well, why not? I mean, I'm convicted. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to be specific. I wasn't just going to say, you know, bless us with a building. I want a building for free. Come on, somebody. So I wrote it down. I also wrote down on there one of my little more selfish prayers was that my brother Tim and his wife Bia would be saved. He grew up in the same family that I did and he had a great foundation, but he walked away from the Lord and her as well. And I'm like, not only, so I'm like, you know what? That's not specific enough. I'm like, Not only do I want them to be saved, but he's a very talented, gifted graphic and web designer and makes quite a bit of money doing that. I'm like, I want not only them to be saved, but their business would be saved. I don't even know what that means, but I'm going to write it down. So I wrote those down. Kid you not, we walked into our executive team meeting 15 minutes later after prayer. I had all my stuff with me in my bag and I sit down and our pastor who's over um, the area of serving others and compassion ministries says you guys are not going to believe this. He goes, I just got a call and I came in to this meeting right after that. But the city called us and they want to give us a building for free. Whatever, not just not just a building, but like we get our pick of any building in Kenosha. They just want to they just want to bless us with it for free for our dream center. Can you guys believe that? And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> Pastor Kevin was like, excuse me. I'm like, I, I literally just wrote this down on my paper like 15 minutes ago. I pulled it out of my bag. I'm like, look, I wrote this prayer down. Shut up. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I believe that God answered that prayer in that day to just prove a point to me and so I could share it with you, that God loves it when we write it down, when we're specific, because we can pull out that paper and go, come on, somebody. You can, you can shout at somebody, shut up. Look at this. Look what God has done. It's a, it was proof to all of them and to me that God answers prayer and he loves to do miracles. He loves it. He loves it when his kids have faith in him and trust him at his word. He loves it when his kids are persistent. I love to share the story, and I don't need to take a lot of time on this, but uh, God hasn't answered the prayer of my brother and his wife coming to know Jesus just yet, but their hearts are more open than ever. But I got a check written from my brother for $5,000, I'm sorry, not $5,000, $1,500 to our Kingdom Builders Fund, which is our missions giving, um, for something that out of the blue, um, just this past, I think it was this past January, um, because of some work that we kind of helped him do. And God's like, I'm answering your prayer about your brother's business being saved. My brother who doesn't love God, he's antagonistic towards the gospel. He doesn't want anything to do with it. He, he loves to pick fights about it and, and get into arguments about it, which I don't enter into with him. But he wrote a check to our church and to Kingdom Builders and to missions to bring the gospel to places that the gospel has never been. He wrote a check for $1,500 that goes to our Speed the Light Fund and Kingdom Builders. Um, and God's like, yeah, remember that part about his business getting saved? This isn't the first check or the only check. There's going to be more. So I just want to say God is faithful and he is good. And when we write things, I'm just challenging somebody in this place to be more specific. Be painfully specific when you give, put an end date to it. Put an amount to it. Put, if you need a miracle, if you need healing, if you want a, a verdict from the doctor, you want to go in and say, next week when I go in for my appointment, I pray that the doctor will be amazed, but they will say this phrase, I cannot believe this. We don't know what happened. I mean, like, write it down. Be specific. God loves when we pray those prayers because it shows a, him that we believe him when he says what he says, amen? The more faith that we have, the more specific our prayers will be. And the more specific our prayers are, the more glory that God receives. Amen, amen. So maybe it's time to spell out your miracle. Maybe it's time to spell out your healing. What is it that you need or who is it that you need them to heal? Write their names down. Put some timelines to it. And watch God show up and show off. If you have cancer, it's spelled healing. If your child is far from God, that healing is spelled salvation. If it's your marriage, God wants to heal marriages and put them back together. God loves to provide for his kids. Maybe it's your finances. God wants to heal your finances. He wants to do a supernatural miracle. Spell it out. Whatever it is that you have that you're asking of him, Write it down, be specific, and pray and ask. Prayer points are number four. Build a prayer team. Build a prayer team. A team of people who have great faith. That's why I asked 20 of my closest people that I know are going to pray, are praying for this service and praying for you. They don't even know you, but they're praying. And they're praying for miracles, and they're praying for healing, and they're praying that God shows up. I have text messages coming in even while I'm on the stage saying, this is what God's showing me for Crossroads Church. This is what God wants to do this weekend at Crossroads Church. Prayer team. Put a prayer... Why not? Yeah. Why do it alone? Put together a prayer team, and you don't need Doubting Thomases on your prayer team. Don't bring those people. Bring that kind of like the crazy, crazy people, you know, the crazy people I'm talking about? Like where you're like, man, they're a little bit on the strange side, but like they have great faith and they're always praying. I'll pray for you, brother, but put those people on your prayer team. You don't need the doubting Thomases in your life, okay? Skip them. If nobody's asking you to pray for them, they're not, nobody here in this church is asking you to be on their prayer team, you might be a doubting Thomas. I'm just saying. <laughs> Build a prayer team of people who have great faith. Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Come on, that's biblical. Don't just put two or three together. I'm going to increase the odds. I'm going to put together 20. I'm going to put together 30. I'm going to ask people to join me. And guess what the powerful thing about about that? When God answers those prayers, that's 30 people that are a part of your party. Let's have an after party and celebrate all that God. They all get to be a part of it. I asked my seven-year-old and my 10-year-old, they were praying for you last night. We were in bed and they're praying for the people of Crossroads Church that they get healed, and that God would do miracles and he'd do awesome things. And guess what we're gonna do on the way home? We're gonna celebrate and throw a party in the van while they're asking, are we there yet? We're gonna have some fun. We are praying together for miracles and when they see those prayers answered they get to, my kids get to celebrate. You need to put your kids on your prayer team because they're going to see that God is faithful, that God is good and that God answers prayer yeah. and he does far more than we can ask or hope or imagine. <laughs> prayer pointer number 5. While you're waiting for your miracle, celebrate others who receive theirs. Sometimes I've been caught in the, the same trap as a lot of us. God, I don't get it. Why are you answering their prayers? I don't understand. Like, like I feel like I'm more holy than they are, you know? I know you've never thought that. I'm just, I'm just you know, I have issues, I know. And I, I've, I've been frustrated. You know what God's teaching me? When other people receive their miracle, I can celebrate because it's just a reminder that God is good and that God is faithful and that he did it for them and he can surely do it for me. So I'm going to celebrate with them like I want them to celebrate with me. It's one of the best things that we can do. Don't get jealous. Don't doubt God more. Jump up and celebrate. Celebrate with them and honor God and praise him. It is another opportunity to say, God, wow, that's how powerful you are. Some of us have missed out on miracles because we're too busy over here being frustrated that we didn't receive ours. The last thing that stands out to me in the worship team can come is from this story. We're off the prayer pointers now. Point number three. The thing that stands out about this story of these two blind men is the depths of Jesus' love and compassion. It says in verse 34 of Matthew 20 Then Jesus, deeply moved with compassion, touched their eyes. As I mentioned, another translation says he felt deep love for them or empathy. For them and he healed them. See, I think too many of us believe the lie that God is mad at us. I said that at, at CSM's winter camp last year. God's not not this last one, but the one before. God's not mad at us. He's madly in love with us. He loves you. So yeah, you might have screwed up. You might not deserve it, but since when did you deserve anything that he gives? I know I deserve nothing from him. And that's what's so beautiful about it. That's what's so beautiful about grace. Is that he loves us despite what we've done and how we've failed. How much we've screwed up. And he loves us. Like a father loves his kids. And maybe some of us can't get that because our earthly father was not a great earthly father. But our heavenly father is nothing like that. And he loves you. He is moved with compassion for you. He sees your need and your pain and the thing that you're struggling through, and he loves you and he's for you, not against you. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that you don't deserve, well, it's it's actually the truth, but that's how the enemy works, right? He likes to take the truth and twist it. You don't deserve that. And you know what you need to do? You need to preach back to the devil. You need to learn to preach back to the devil. You're right, I don't deserve that absolutely. I deserve nothing. I don't deserve grace. I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve healing. I don't deserve any of it. But that's how amazing God is. He gives me what I don't deserve. He showers it upon me. And he's able to do far more, by the way. And so I just want to just share with somebody who's maybe been believing that lie and just remind you that you can preach back to the devil. There's also the lie that healing is not for today, and that's just completely false. The Bible talks about how Satan, or our enemy, is the father of lies. And when we partner with him in those lies, we become his children. I don't want to be his children. I don't want to partner with those lies. I don't want to believe those lies. So don't, God is a God who heals yesterday and today and forever. Healing is not for one day or back in the day, healing is for two days. And God wants to do that. I want you to stand to your feet as we close out. And before we sing, this song god of miracles then we're going to we're going to have the prayer teams come down and we're going to pray for miracles before we do that the greatest miracle of all time maybe it's even the prayer that someone has written down on their piece of paper as they spelled it out like I did for my little brother i've always made the commitment to god that anytime i'm in a room that i I may not see my brother walk into a room and sit in the back of a service or come in and slip in and give church another try, but someone's brother or sister is in this room. Someone that's hurting or maybe, you know, like my brother, you have some church hurts. You, you don't go to church because you don't feel like you fit in or you've been judged or people have mistreated you. They've been hypocrites, and I'm sorry for that. The greatest miracle of healing is when we realize that God isn't mad at us, but he's madly in love with us. We realize that that love and that grace and that forgiveness that we don't deserve is for us. And so your healing of being made right with your heavenly father, him healing your past and your mistakes and your sin and your shame is the best miracle of all time. Even before we get our physical healing, God wants to heal us spiritually. That's why when the the lame man was dropped through the roof by his friends to Jesus Jesus said I forgive your sins before he even healed them Jesus wants to do that so with every head bowed and every eye closed I want to give you that opportunity even if it's just one you've walked away from God maybe maybe you grew up in church maybe you've known him but you've walked away and it's time for you to come back you you need that love and grace and forgiveness in your life or maybe you've never given him a chance and you're like man that's some good news I need that I need that healing, I need that forgiveness, I need that grace. That doesn't make sense to me why God would do that. And you know what, you're right, it doesn't make sense to me either. But it's amazing. So if that's you, you want to come to Jesus for the first time, or maybe come back to Him, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you and pray with you. Anybody in this room? Just raise it up. Thank you, I see that hand. Awesome. Anybody else? One more chance. Awesome you raised your hand I want to encourage you to, to share that with one of our prayer team members or one of the pastors or myself and I would love the chance to pray with you and help you invite Jesus into your life and uh, I want to pray for you right now and would, if we could all join in on that God I thank you for your grace and your forgiveness and your mercy this is a room full of people that had prayed that prayer at one time all of us were broken All of us had messed up. All of us had fallen short. All of us were failures, still are. But God, you loved us anyways. You forgave us and you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for us. For my sister who raised her hand, Father God, I thank you that she's now joining a room full of people who also raised their hand at one point. God, we just say welcome, welcome into our life. Come and make us new. Forgive us from the things that we've done wrong help us to live our lives for you in Jesus name, amen I want us to close out by singing the words of this song and I want you as you sing the words to this song to answer the question as you're singing and faith is rising in this room, Jesus is asking of you, what is it that you want me to do for you we're in in the series, the road to healing, what healing do you need in your life what do you need him to do He wants to do it even more than you want him to do it. So let's raise our hands.